unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my what I taught in the annex. So we're here now. And um, if you miss some of those classes, that's fine. There is another class going on in the annex. It's the class that was in here. It is a class dealing with evangelism. So glad you chosen to be a part of this. And I look forward to sharing some more things from the scriptures about what it is to be a steward of the Lord. Before we start, though, I have this song I want us to sing together. Number 461. It dawned on me today, we ought to be singing this song in every service. Now you look at it and tell me if that's true or not. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. You believe that? Do you believe that? I do too. God's going to take care of us. Yes, he will. All right, let's sing that and then we'll have a prayer together and begin our class. Be not dismayed, what heavy tide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abides, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will 
take care of you, one way or the other. Let's pray and then we'll begin our study together. Father, thank you so much for the blessing and the privilege it is to be a part of this body here in Boonville. And thank you for the time that we have in the middle of this week to stop and to consider teachings from your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us when we look at these scriptures, that they'll make an impression on us. And help us, Lord, be good stewards, especially tonight, help us to be good stewards of the manifold grace of yours. Thank you for the lesson, and thank you that I can try to communicate it and be with our students, that they can receive it, and that will help them to be the kind of story that you want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, do we, we have the slides? What in the world? We weren't sure that we had them or not. So I wanna, I wanna begin tonight by looking at a passage of scripture from 1 Peter chapter four. We're gonna look at verses 10 and 11. Who would like to read that text for us tonight? It's right there, isn't it? Look at there. There it is. Anybody want to read it? Maybe you're too far back. See, that's what you've done. You've kind of gotten out of range here and can't even see the screen. Okay, JT, please read that for us. All right. Thank you, JT. Now, you know what? Here in this class, I'm going to try to do what I did over there. Now, we were pretty cozy-like. So I would ask people to read these texts because many times that's about all people want to do is just speak up and read it. So I'm going to depend on you to read some of these texts for us. 
And then you have your Bible with you. I've got my Bible with me right here. We're going to read these scriptures together and see if, see if we can't find out what it is to be a steward of the manifold grace of God. Now, the word manifold is pretty interesting. In the English, it's trying to reflect the original Greek word. In the English, you have a compound word, manifold. Or, break that down, it's actually many, like lots of them, fold. Uh, fold when you fold something in how many ever sections, you end up taking something that was a whole and you make it, if you fold it one time, you've made it into two parts. Or you fold it again, you've made it into four parts. So the idea behind the word fold in that word is parts. So manifold means literally many parts or numerous parts. So he's talking about us being stewards. And you remember a steward is someone who possesses something, but he doesn't really own it. God is the owner of the things. As a possessor, I've taken what God owns and then I'm responsible for its use. So I'm going to use it, the idea, a, a good faithful steward, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. Uh, I'm going to be that kind of steward who is faithful in responsibility. So I'm going to take what he calls the manifold or the many-parted, the numerous grace of God. In other words, the many gifts of God I've become a steward of. I'm going to use those gifts that God has put into my possession in order to bring glory to him, but also to lift up or build up the church. We'll see that in several verses of scripture. So God's empowering us to do his will, to accomplish his goal for us, especially as we are members of, of the church. Now, I think about us as Christians, one of the foundational principles of Christianity is love. So I know that Really, the epitome of Christian love is going to be demonstrated in my service to God. First uh, John chapter three, verse 18. Do you have that verse in your Bible? First John chapter three and verse 18. Yes, please read that. Indeed and in truth. When I say that I'm going to love you, how do you know I love you? Not just by what I say, but my actions. So not just in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That is my expression of love. Now, there's something pretty interesting in our text from 1 Peter chapter 4 that I kind of want us to have in the background as we're going through our lesson tonight. And that is that he talks about being a steward of the manifold, the, the many-parted, the, the numerous aspects of we're being stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he breaks it down into two different things. He says, if anyone speaks, what? 
let him speak as the oracles of God. The oracles are the, the communications, the, the short truths. When you speak, if you're speaking as a steward of God, you speak the truth. And then the second thing is, okay, if you, if you speak, you speak a certain way. If you minister, how do you minister? Okay, you minister as with the ability that God supplies. Okay, now question, when you speak, who supplies what you speak? As a steward of God. God does. When you serve or you minister, how do you minister? What activities, what, what action do you do? Just any old thing I want to do and I'll just put a good label on it. No, it's also directed, right? If I act for God, what kind of actions are involved here? Okay, the abilities that God has given. Two things, both what I say and what I do are dictated by the Lord. If I am a good steward of those things, if I'm a faithful steward, then that means that I am... I am being driven by, by one of two things. Either my participation in those things which are, let's say, a speech gift, or those things which are a servant or a ministry type gift. Tonight, that's what we're going to delve into. And, and I want to remind us, if you've been watching the videos, I am not going to ask for a show of hands of those of you who have watched on Wednesday night for fear that you did it. So in my head, I'm going to think that we have had 100% participation. Isn't that great? Yay! Just take your hand like this and pat yourself on the back. Ken, we have done it, man. We have been watching. So if you've been watching those, in, in both installments, I have emphasized the things that God has put in your life. They are spiritual and they are manifested in several different ways, even, even in physical components, just like he points out here. Those activities are those things that God has put in, into your life. So the calling, uh, the spiritual calling by which you have been called, that's from God. The opportunities that come into your life, that's from God. The knowledge that you have of God, well, guess who's the source of that? God is. Every ability that you have that reflects God in your life, God put that there. And every resource that you have, every single thing that you have, just quantify it by just simply the word blessing. Every blessing, every gift that has come to you has come as a result of your relationship with God. And as a steward of God, a good or faithful steward of God, God is in expectation that those things that he's placed there or made available to you as a steward that you're going to use to his glory. And as I mentioned a moment ago, also to the uplifting or the building up of the church itself. Now, if, if I'm going to be that steward, I, I need to answer a question. I need to know what it is that we need to do, right? So what... What exactly as a steward, you say, like there in that text, I've got a couple of things in mind. I've got, 
Okay, if one speaks, anyone speaks, speak as the oracles of God. So I see, I see giftedness in that category. Or I see if he ministers, or another word we translated last time or time before, the idea of servant or service. So either it's in, in, in a speech type gift or in a service type gift. What, it is, what is it that I specifically, me, me as a sword, what is it that I'm, I'm to do? Ken, can you, you know, like go around the room and just maybe, I don't know, make assignments of what we should do? And the answer would be no. Who is it that gives those gifts according to the text we read? It's, it's God who gives that. So that's God's prerogative. All right, let's back up. First thing, if I need to know what it is that I'm going to be doing, I should do what we would normally do. Just kind of gather up some information. Doesn't that seem reasonable? Oh, look at some texts that kind of fit within this category of God's blessing our lives. Now, understand that in every one of these cases, you're talking to Christians who are living in a time where there were miraculous gifts that were being given. That's for sure. And there's an entire list of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And maybe there were more than those listed there. But there are miraculous manifestations. And sometimes in these lists are also intermingled with those non-miraculous. Now, in the first century, it would have been clear. Whatever it is you've been gifted with, either a miraculous manifestation or something that's not miraculous, something that is based on just God uh, given a natural ability that you have or you being infused with the Word of God and developing those talents. However that comes about, its original root is God. So whether it was in application to one situation or another, it seems to me that that the same, the same import is a part of, of either one, whether it's miraculous or non-miraculous. If it's from God, then I've become responsible for it. Now, one place that I would go is Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to give you three texts, so you, you may choose. I'd like somebody to read Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Who would volunteer to do that real quick? Just, you know, just throw your hand up there. Yes, thank you. Okay, it's taken. All right, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we just want to look at verses 4, 5, and 6. See, only three verses. You should have waited, Mary Alice, because it was a shorter text. Who would read that one? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. Okay, down here. All right, and then let's see. Ephesians 4. 11 to 16. That's a great one. Who would read that text? Just without hesitation, without even thinking about it, just throw your hand over there. Oh man, what did I do? Why did I choose to read that text? What in the world? Anybody want to read that one? Okay, JT, you got that one again? All right. Okay. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Okay, stop right there for a second. The grace that is given to me. Who gave that grace? God did. And we were talking about the manifold grace of God. What is, what is a grace 
from God. What is, what is the general idea that's being expressed here? A grace is a what? It, it's, a, it's a gift from God. You don't deserve it, right? We often say the, the uh, unmerited favor of God. Okay, peace. But, but the essence of that is it is a gift from God. This is what God is giving. Okay, continue, Mary Alice. Okay, you can stop right there. All right. Okay, so he says, here's the grace and what God is giving you. Who's it? You're supposed to use that like, let's say, uh, God has given me a particular ability and man, it's outstanding. So, you know what? I, I appreciate everybody else in here, but let's all recognize I've got the number one. Is that what he's saying here in this text? Uh, okay, so what Paul as a spokesman, and remember we, we saw two different types of, of gifts that were given according to our text. If anyone speaks and if anyone ministers, he says, for I say through the grace given to me. So I want to communicate to you out of what I have received, right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In the body of Christ, which ability, which resource, which opportunity, which, which amount of knowledge is the greatest in the body? Not anyone. How about the sense of our equality? Okay, so God has distributed to each according to his design, right? He goes so far as to say, okay, here's something that you know. You know like a physical body that you have, right? We have bodies that have all these members. Now, which one of these members is the most important? Well, you know, it kind of depends, right? If I'm trying to listen to something very carefully, I might not think a thing about my eyes, but if I were to ask you what is your most important sense, probably most people say, well, I think my eyesight's pretty important. It is until something else is needed, right? Now, now I put emphasis on that, but I'm not thinking, well, since my eyesight is so important to me, I'll do without my hearing. Anybody want to do that? Or, you know what, if, I, if, if my finger started itching there, well, I don't like that, I'm just going to cut my finger off. Or, this side has got a ring on it, this side doesn't, so I better balance them out, right? Uh, do we think that way? 
Uh, several years ago, there was, may, maybe you saw it, if you're old like me, uh, Lever 2000. Their commercial was that Lever 2000 as a soap was for all of your 2000 parts. Anybody remember that? Am I? Okay. Your 2000, I don't know how many parts we actually have. But the idea was that it is sufficient for everything, right? The idea, your whole body. I don't know how many parts the body's made up of, probably way more than that. But I'll just be honest with you, I'm, I'm pretty interested in maintaining every part. Whether it's my little toe, which nobody ever sees and I see very rarely, or whether it's an eyeball, I'm not interested in having surgery to remove anything. And even when something does become infected or endangered in some way or uh, because of illness, something has to be removed. It is a major stress on the body to be without that part. So he takes the idea of what we know about a physical body, all of our parts, and then he applies that to our relationship in Jesus Christ. Every part is important, but every part also has its work. And so there might be somebody, for instance, in, in this congregation that is a terrific teacher. Uh, and then there's somebody else over here. You know what? They might not be a public type teacher, but boy, they're a great evangelistic type teacher. They like to do those private Bible studies. There's somebody else over here who is just a fantastic encourager. There's another person over there that, you know, is just a, a great uh, administrator. They know how to organize things. Which one of those is the most important? Every, even the most feeble part is a necessary part. It's all of it working together. And the sense of that is every part, no matter how we consider it important or a lesser part. Every single part has its part to play and is necessary. And th the idea of that is the uniqueness of every person. We are not the same, but each of us is unique in our own way and possess our own function within that body. And then he goes through a list of what are some representative things you know, if, 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 if the gift, he said, was prophecy, then prophesy in proportion of faith. If, if ministry, use it in ministry and teaching and teaching, on and on. He could have made that list as long as he wanted to. When an ability or opportunity or resource or something that God has put into our possession has been identified, then we use it. Not, not to our own glory or necessarily to our own benefit, but to the benefit of the whole body. So it's necessary we identify what it is that that grace or that gift is. Uh, the next text was 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6. Yes. Okay, so again, especially this text, within the context of a discussion about miraculous gifts, but the source of all the things that came into the possession of the body of Christ, the source of those things is whom? Okay, it is God. And when God, when God has blessed us or put 
something into our possession, his expectation is that we're going to use it faithfully and not to our own benefit necessarily, but to the benefit of the entire body. The other text, which really goes to the heart of the function of the body itself and how, how each contribution benefits the unity of the body was that text from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, JT. Yes, 11 through 16, please. Okay, if you cause growth in the body to the edifying of itself in love as pertains to the church, then what, what, have, you, what have you developed as a church? Healthy, unhealthy, uh, backbiting, or getting along? Healthy and getting along. And why, okay, why are we getting along? Because it's not going to be based on Ken's idea of things or Luther's idea of things or Jonathan's idea of things or Cameron's idea of things. It's going to be based on whose idea? It's going to be based on God's idea. Get back to the original concept. If you speak, you need to speak how? as the oracles, as the utterances of God. If you minister, on upon what basis are you going to do your ministry? Isn't it going to be based on the abilities that God provides or supplies for us? Yes, it is. Okay, so he said, you know what? Just think about how the church was organized. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Why is it that these various roles exist? Is it so that maybe, you know, get you a plaque made and put it up on the door and people say, Oh, brother so-and-so, he's this or he's that. Is that what it's about? No, people have been called to these various positions or you've been called to these various works, whatever that God has placed in your hand to do, whether that's a leadership position, whether it manifests itself as a speaking gift, whether it manifests itself in some kind of ministry gift, whatever that thing is, all of that works together for the good of the whole body, for the good of the whole body. Okay, so we kind of gather together some information. We see it right the body, every, everybody has their part. I get that. And uh, there, there are important roles that have to be carried in. Boy, whatever it is that I can do, I'm going to do it 
to participation with the whole body so that God is glorified of that. Because after all, it's God who chose to give those things. And then when I satisfy what God has given me to do, then I, I put the light back on him. When people see my good works, they glorify my father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Okay, so I've gathered my information. Now I need to, you need to make an assessment. It might be, it might be that you look at yourself and your Christianity, your Christian walk, and you say, I know exactly what it is that God has empowered me to do. I know as I look back, all those things that kind of work together to equip me so that I may be able to function in a certain way. And if you've identified that very thing, then you need to understand that there, there is an effective way to use those abilities or resources or whatever it is that God has put in your hands. There's an effective way to do that. The first thing to remember is God's the one that gave it to me, right? So it's come into my possession, but God's the owner of that. And so however I use it, if he's the owner, I'm the steward of that and I'm a faithful steward, I'm going to use it to please him. A second thing to keep in mind is that I am unique. Now, there might be other people that can do the very things that you can do. Might be. Maybe you're on a team of people who do the very same kinds of things. But there is nobody just exactly like you. You are a unique, you are a unique person as pertains to the experiences that you've had, all the things through your life that God has used to fashion you, to mold you into the person that you are. Don't ever think, well, you know what? I've got this particular job or I've got this thing that I'm doing for the church, but boy, I'm pretty sure that so-and-so, they could do a better job. So I'm just going to kind of back off and let them do it. Don't, don't do that. God has called you for a particular work. Now, can you work with somebody? Absolutely. Nod your head this way. Of course I can. But please don't ever belittle or minimize in some way the function that you have in the body of Christ. You are unique and God has made investments in you from the very beginning and is in full expectation that you are going to satisfy whatever, whatever calling he's made in your life. It reminds me of that parable of the talents, right? Some people had five, some had two, and another had one. It didn't matter whether you had the five, the two, or the one. What was, what was the owner in expectation of? Growing, profitability. So whether you have, you know, a, a, a five level talent or it is a one, please understand that whatever that is, God doesn't want you to say, well, I've got this. I'll just, I'll just hang on to it. You know, I'll just, just dig a hole and put it in the ground. Do not do that. Be sure that whatever that is, even if you're matched up with that five talent person, you use that one talent that you have, that ability, that resource, that opportunity, that knowledge that God has put into your possession. You use that 
to the very best of your ability. A third thing that I think about in terms of the effectiveness of what comes into your hands is that you dedicate that to God. Okay, you think as I'm doing this thing, whatever it is, what I'm doing is for God. I'm dedicating this work to God as opposed to me. Right? Don't, don't, don't get involved in some work or some function in the body of Christ where you're thinking how you're going to get a good reputation out of this. Or how does it benefit me? You know, are they going to, you're going to give me one of them plaques like they got old brother so-and-so that time? You think that maybe I'll get a, a lot of likes on Facebook or so? I'll go check that and see. That, that ought not be our motivation. Our motivation singularly is I'm a steward. I'm trying to satisfy what is a responsibility that the Lord has put on me. And I'm simply dedicated to him. And then I would just say, I used to be in this, in this program, it's kind of a, a workout program, and the guy continually reminded us. He said, do your best and forget the rest. I love that. Do your very best with what has come into your hands. You say, well, Ken, I, I did my very best, but man, I made this mistake or that mistake. Hey, peace. God committed something into your hand. Make the most of what you have. And then if I'm going to gather the information, kind of get a sense of what I can do and understand that it's important to the health of the body. And, and then I make some assessments about it and how it is that I'm going to be effective, understanding that, boy, I'm unique in this position and what I'm able to give to the cause of the Lord and building up the church, then I also need to have the sense that in my participation, I'm making an absolute commitment to it. In that, I'm thinking about Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. Who would read that text? Or maybe you even know it right off your heart. You've memorized that text. Or maybe it, I think I put it here on the screen. <laughs> maybe it's hiding right up there in plain sight. I don't know. And whatever what you do in word or deed. Now stop right there. This is how I want to kind of mesh this together. Peter said, whoever speaks, let him what? Speak as the oracles of God. If he ministers, you, you minister according to the ability which God supplies. Okay, speak and minister or speak and serve. Now what it says, whatever you do in word, speech, or deed, ministry, service, do all what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, and you give thanks to whom? God the Father through whom? Okay, through, through Jesus. 
Okay, so whatever it is, you, you're, you're the member of the body, you have an important function, you're contributing to the overall good of the body, you say, well, I, well I've got to make some determinations here, kids. Here, you've given kind of some basic categories. Is it, is it a category, you know, of, of speech? Is there something that I do that is a communication of things? Are I'm going to commit myself to the truth itself. I'm going to communicate God's simple truths to people. Okay, great. Well, whatever you do in word, do it. How? By whose authority, in other words? Authority of the Lord Jesus, right? I'm going to do it in his name. If it's not that speech thing, it's, it's the doing, it's the activity, it's the service, it's the ministry. Whatever it is that I'm involved in, I'm going to do it in such a way as to do it according to the authority or the name of the Lord Jesus. And then through that... I give thanks to God the Father. It's like, okay, there's an entire system in place right here. I'm, I'm going to, through my actions, be giving glory to God. But in order to, in order to give that glory to God, it has to be qualified. That glory is made perfect through Jesus, right? Well, what I do, not everything qualifies as a glorification of God. You know, some people have made the jest about, well, I guess it was a jest, but they were talking about, you know, the difference between worship and service. And they said, well, you know, if I, if I go out here and I buy a hamburger, is that, is that my service to God? Blah, blah, blah. Make up any kind of crazy scenario you want to, but back up from that. God has already qualified what it is that's acceptable to him. What is it about my speech that's acceptable to him and is made authoritative through Jesus? Starts with the O, the oracles of God, the, the, the communications of God. What is it about a ministry that qualifies it for God, that glorifies him? It's something that's First of all, re revealed by him, empowered by him, but it is that which comes through the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything within that authoritative framework, the calling, the opportunities, the knowledge, the abilities, the resources, every blessing that comes from God. Those things are manifested as the life, the action through speech or through service of the steward of God. He calls it the, the manifested grace. Okay, a second thing, I guess a second question was, okay, if I determine what it is that I need to do, or maybe I'm already doing it, then, well, when? When should I do it? Should I do it in the past? <laughs> and you say, wait a minute, that, that's a ridiculous question. I can't do anything in the past. But the reason that I ask that is because some people have the idea that, well, you know, that work for the Lord, I already did that. Let me tell you about back in such and such. Now, I've retired since then from the work of the church. I'm letting the younger generation do it. I, I don't 
I don't really see that in the scriptures. I just know that we're stewards. I don't know there's a qualification of age or some point at which I retire. You may say back, well, now, Ken, the thing that I did that I've talked about that happened there in the past, I'm not physically capable of doing anymore. Or I don't have that same resource that I once had, and so I can't continue. That's not what I'm talking about. Remember, there is an aspect of this in which I'm trying to gather information and make assessments. If I can't do, if I can't speak or minister in the way that I used to, I should still even now be doing what? Should I not still even now be determining, okay, if it's not what it used to be, then what is it now? Because has God decided I'm of no use? No, I would suggest that you're probably more unique now than you were then. That God's made more investments in you. Now you have the experience of what was in the past. I'm not thinking back. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14, he said, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead of, pressed toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not thinking about the past. And there are two things that are a problem with the past. One is mistakes that I made. Sometimes that gets in the way of being effective now. And the second thing is the triumphs that I had. That can also stand in the way of my effectiveness now because I don't think I have to do anything. I, I lean back on the laurels of the past. The past is not the place that I'm looking to. I need to be looking to the, the present. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7. That's earlier in our original text. Would someone read that for us? First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. First Peter 4, verse 7. Therefore be clear-minded and self-imposed so that you can pray. You need to grow, but you also need to realize what is about to happen. We're, we are drawing near to the, starts with an E, ends with a D. <laughs> Has an end in it. End. We're, we're drawing near the end. Have you thought about this? I mentioned it before, but right now where we are, this is the ragged edge of history. Nothing has gone any farther than we are right now. You are at the end. Now you may keep going second by second, minute by minute, day by day, year by year. I don't know. But so far as history is concerned, this is... As far as it's gone, every breath you take is the end of it. Now, you might get another breath. I don't know. But as far as we're, we have gone as far in human history as anybody has ever gone. We're on the ragged edge every second. You've come to the end. So you need to keep doing what? Starts with a G, ends with a W, has a row in it. You need to grow. Okay, we're continuing. When, when is it important that I do it? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Who wants to read that one? That is, that is a wow text. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2. 
I'm still feeling wow. Okay, you've received the grace. When's it time to act on it? When's now? You say, I'll get around to it. Is there a future? You say, well, you can look, I got this calendar. It says that I can make appointments next week. You don't know that. Uh, for all intents and purposes, while we imagine a future, we're already on the edge. And so there is nothing beyond. So the time to act is not even in the future. The time to act is when? It is absolutely right now. Now is the time. So make the assessments, make the determination about what it is that you can do, and then question, when should I get busy doing it? Now is the time. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for our time of study. Thank you for your encouragement of us to be about your work. And thank you, Lord, for what you've invested in us. We pray that you will get an incredible return. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've given. And I pray, Lord, that we will be good and faithful stewards of those things. Please bless us in our walk. And if it's your will that you'll give us a new day, I pray that we'll use it to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.